0: Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappé. Depay! And he snatched
1: it! Doné finds Dembélé, the first touch is good, the second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovic! Lovely finish!
0: Must be the opening goal, Benedetto! And Bagnon, fantastic!
1: Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Play it again! And Omer. Oh, Benyatta. beautifully done, sensational!
2: Coming up in Le Bourgeois, Monaco see red in Monte Carlo as teenage sensation Ryan Shirky keeps Lyon in the Champions League race. It's Turkish delight again for Lille, who are now just three wins away from the league title. But Paris Saint-Germain remain hot on their heels after beating Lens. At the bottom, there's respite for Saint-Etienne and Bordeaux, while Nantes are showing signs of fight at long last. Now. Good morning to Andy Scott. Andy joins us on the pod. Scotland's uh, biggest contribution to league on since John Collins. How are you, Andy? What oh, about Stephen Fletcher? No, I think you're a bigger contribution than Stephen <laughs> Fletcher. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, th- thanks for that,
3: Matt. Yeah, I'm, I always say this. thing when I come on the podcast, I'm not feeling the freshest. Uh, obviously, it's, it's an early start after a late finish last night, but it's good to be here to talk about. Um, everything that happened
2: at the weekend, including, of course, that slightly crazy game between Monaco and Lyon. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're here to talk to us about that one. Um, Ian Holyman is here. Sunderland's uh, biggest contribution to league gown since uh, since Josh Maguire. How are you, Ian? What what an intro. I I would
4: have gone along the Chris Waddle line. Now I know you play. I know he played for Newcastle, but he was a Sunderland fan as a kid, so uh, I'd have preferred that. But oh, I think you're
2: okay. I think you're flattering yourself, Ian, there somewhat. <laughs> no it's just you're right, josh, more josh. about the generation thing. it's more about the generation thing and josh madger is a london lad isn't he but he but he uh, rose to fame um on the sunderland netflix show let's uh let's talk On so much going on at the moment and uh yes andy scott um you may well be bleary-eyed this morning because it was uh, a dramatic night at the stad louis do let's hear your commentary first of all uh, third placed Monaco against fourth placed Leon the stakes high in this one here's what happened it's been a, a
0: terrific title race and with three games left but Monaco will still be in it it could be in on goal here big chance for the opener for Volant he's taking it Monaco in front and it's that man again Kevin Voland, the German his 16th on goal now it comes back to the other end with the pie Slaloming run by the Dutchman, Depay's shot is deflected, it's gone in. It's a big break for Leon, and it's a huge goal for them. They are back level. Memphis Depay, standing over the free kick. Free kick in, and there's the header. What a header it is for Marcelo. And Leon with ten men have the lead. <laughs> Goodness me, what a big goal! <laughs> ben Yedder from the spot, cool as you like, makes it two-two. What a moment to score your 100th goal in Liga! Cherki to Kimaraj, that's a nice ball comes back to Sherky. it's 3-2. Would you believe it? And what about that for an impact from the young substitute, Ryan Cherki? Oh, it's astonishing. Cherki, just 17 years
2: old. So Andy, five goals, five red cards, and at the end of it, um, Perhaps Monaco's title hopes over now. There's a, a little bit of a gap between the top two and uh, and the next two, but Leon very much in the hunt for for Champions League football um, against all odds. Uh, dramatic stuff, Andy. Yeah, um, c- completely crazy.
3: It's funny because the um, obviously the the Leon Leal game a week ago was always going to take some um, some beating. That was an incredible match, and I think. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say this was uh, better, but it was certainly completely crazy in the in the second half. That the first half was a little bit of a slow burner, but Leon came out in the second half, realised that they, you know, they had to throw everything at it. They had to throw the kitchen sink at Monaco because they they they, they couldn't afford to even draw that game. And as it went on, I mean, you know, you, you've you'll have heard the commentary clip, and and you know, just so much to pack into the final sort of twenty minutes after Maxence Cacré was sent off for a second yellow card. You know, to go from to go from Lyon being on level terms and looking like they had the upper hand to being down to 10 men up against it to go 2-1 up to then concede the penalty that allowed Monaco to get the equaliser. And at that point, um, you know, the draw, I don't think in a way didn't really suit either team, but obviously it suited Monaco more because it kept them on course for third place and knocked Lyon effectively out of contention to finish third. And and then, of course, Ryan Scherke pops up and scores that 89th minute winner. What a moment for him. A player who's I said this in commentary, a player who's gonna have a big future. I think we all know that he's still only seventeen. Um but what a time for him to pop up with uh, what I believe was his first League and goal, just after wissam Ben Yedder had scored his 100th, uh, Ligue one hundredth uh League goal. It's an incredible result because I mean Lyon obviously were knocked out of the title race by Lille last weekend and then they go and knock Monaco out of the title race and in in the in doing so they they give themselves the chance of still finishing in third place, and and you know there's the, the still the prospect that Monaco will will end the season with nothing. They could lose out on the cup as well, and and miss out in the Champions League. And and the thing is that the Champions League is was everything for these two teams at the beginning of the season. That was the objective. One of them is going to miss out, and maybe Leon have the momentum now after what was a, a crazy night. But we're going to talk about this. What happened after the game? Um, May well have a big impact because uh, a, a a big brawl on the pitch at full time and and uh, two Leon players red carded, two very big players red carded, Marcelo and Mattia De uh having lost Jason Denier to injury in the first half after Kevin had made him look uh, like an amateur when he went through to score the first goal. Suddenly the three starting centre backs from last night um, are going to be potentially all of them on the sidelines for Leon's next game, and so is Memphis Depay, who will be suspended for Leon's next game against Lorient. Um, so you know they they're still up against it. I mean they're still behind Monaco, uh, but they've given
2: themselves a chance, and I suppose that was all they could have um, could have wanted to do last night. But Ian, there's there's needle, isn't there, between these two sides? We saw a very um, eagerly contested uh, cup game, got quite feisty. Uh, Leon uh, felt very hard done by to go out two 0 against Monaco in, in in the quarterfinals, and. Leon are quite good at riling opponents. They sort of built up this rivalry with Marseille, and it now looks like there is real needle uh, between Monaco and Leon. Andy mentioned the two uh, Leon sendings off after Kakaray, so three in all. Uh, Monaco had uh, their two young forwards Gerbils and uh, Pellegri, sent off, but um, a real undercurrent between these two sides at, at the moment, Ian.
4: Yeah, there was. Mon- Monaco before this game was, was saying that Leon sort of swaggered into that coupe de France game and Monaco didn't really take too kindly to that there was a bit of needle earlier in the season when when Leon beat Monaco as well, but this one it's kind of interesting at the end, Rudy Garcia coming out and basically saying butter wouldn't melt in my players' mouths and Anthony Lopez saying you've got to learn to lose with dignity, which is kettle black pots I mean ridiculous anyway, but there's definitely there's definitely a huge amount of needle and I think I think Andy's absolutely right Marcelo and against Pellegri and Gerbils I mean, you know, that is a massive blow for Leon. It's massive. And it's ridiculous. After the final whistle, come on. And let's 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 go a bit further. Cadaweri, shouldn't have he shouldn't he have been sent off as well? What a mm, challenge that yeah. was. And and Leon are
2: complaining? I mean I mean I think you're right. I think you're right. I think overall, Clement Turpan did uh, did a pretty good job because it wasn't an easy match to referee. But that foul from Cadoueri on uh, on Caio Enrique was was pretty nasty. I've seen a still shot of it where he's got both feet on on either leg of of, of Caio Enrique. And also, Andy, mm-hmm. just before we we hit record on this podcast, we were talking about Anthony Lopez. Um, arguably, he he could have gone, but I mean, he's he's a pretty uh, pretty feisty character and has a, an unorthodox approach to goalkeeping. An unorthodox approach to coming off his line, shall we say?
3: Yeah, he's he's done this a few times this season, hasn't he? I mean, um, you know, off air, you referenced uh, the match against Brest where he gave a penalty away at the end of the game, was it? Right at the end of the game? And against uh, Mess in January when Lyon's 16 game unbeaten run was ended, he came racing out of his box at the end of the match with the score nil-nil and Aaron Lea Iseke went round him and scored the winning goal, and uh, obviously that was a, a costly defeat for Lyon at the time. Last night he came off his line, he came out to try to punch the ball and punch Pietro Pellegrini in the ear, um, and and was penalised for it. And and you know what I was saying was that that's the kind of thing that in the recent past would never have been given as a penalty. Uh, Clément Turpin didn't initially give it, despite the fact that Pellegrini was on the ground for a long time receiving treatment. There's always been this idea that goalkeepers are entitled to come out and try and win the ball. And even if they don't play the ball and they take the man out, well, it's fine because they're the goalkeeper. They can do whatever they want. And and a famous example might be Manuel Neuer against, I think, Gonzalo Higuain in the World Cup final in 2014 when he completely cleaned out Higuain and nothing was given. Um, and on this occasion, the uh, the referee was summoned by the video assistant referee and came and changed his mind and, and and gave the penalty, which in the end didn't matter. But yeah, there's, there's a thing about Anthony Lopez because... He has, for a long time, he's been Lyon's number one goalkeeper for what seven or eight years now. And, and there's a perception, I think a fair one, that he's sometimes makes spectacular saves, and he's been a a, a really really important player for them. But at the same time, he does occasionally uh, lose his head, and uh, it nearly cost Lyon last night. Um, can, can I can I just make a a, a very quick point, just to bring it back round to something that we were discussing? Everybody was discussing a couple of weeks ago, talking about, you know, European Super League and all that kind of stuff. And obviously um, no French teams would have been involved. PSG would have been the one that they wanted to have involved. But when you look at these games between Lyon and Monaco and Lille as well, there's not many uh, better teams in Europe at the moment than than these clubs in terms of the entertainment they're providing. I mean, I was actually in Lyon for the Lyon-Monaco Cup game a bit less than two weeks ago. And even that was really quite something. You're down near the pitch uh, when you commentate at the Groupama Stadium, right on the bottom level, and you get a really good uh, idea of the intensity of which that game has been played. And obviously you mentioned the needle between the two teams, quite a lot of it in that match, and it carried over into this one. And I just think that they offered so much in terms of um, entertainment and in terms of quality and in terms of intensity in these two games and over the course of the season. It's a shame that one of them is going to miss out on the Champions League. These are two teams, remember, who've beaten Manchester City in the Champions League in the last four years, just at the point when PSG are about to play City and potentially lose to them uh, this week. F- fantastic entertainment. It's just a shame that one of them is uh, going to miss out on the Champions League next season, I think.
2: Well, it has been a fantastic season so far in league. 1. That defeat, though, um, for Monaco means they're probably out of the title race because they are four points behind PSG, five points behind Lille with three to play. And it looks like they're going to be battling it out with Lyon for third place and that final Champions League qualification berth. Uh, let's focus on the top two then. We're going to start with uh, Paris Saint-Germain. They were in action first on Saturday. They were at home against a long side, unbeaten in 13 going into this one. Robbie Thompson brings us the action from the Parc des Princes.
1: Really orbiting on the left side of the attack a lot, isn't he? Neymar as the little touch from Draxler towards Icardi. And now Neymar with the chance and Neymar scores. <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain are in front, it's Neymar on the score sheet. Just after the half hour here. An important goal for Paris Saint-Germain. Corner for Paris. And the header, and it's Marquinhos. Just as it was on Wednesday night against Manchester City. At the same end of the ground. This time it's not Di Maria but Neymar Junior. Providing the assist. Well now, Lance, come forward again with Klaus the cross. Calimundo and back out. Then Ganago has got Lance straight back into the contest. It's all over. Paris Saint-Germain move provisionally top of the league standings. They're two points. Ahead of Lille, who play later this evening. But this title race is going all the way to
2: the wire in France. Well, Ian, um, PSG getting the job done thanks to their Brazilians. Neymar with the first, Marquinhos with the second. Uh, they had a few frights along the way. The the, the second half wasn't easy, as we expected, really. Lance, Lance gave them a run for their money. Seco Fofano was outstanding in the midfield. They didn't have too many chances. I think from two one, when they got it back to two one, I think PSG did manage to sort of keep things pretty much under control, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean they were a little bit they were a little bit shaky though, weren't they? But perhaps that's to
4: be expected, given that their real focus is that game against Manchester City. I know they keep going on about how important the league title is, blah blah blah, but you know they really really want to get past Man City in midweek. Kylian Mbappe on the sidelines, he seemed to enjoy himself. Uh, despite that calf injury, hopefully he'll be back in in midweek. It, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't brilliant. PSG. Um, I don't think it'd be expected it to be in Launce as you said, unbeaten in thirteen. Pretty very very handy season. I mean, uh, arguably surprises of the season. Um, doing a fabulous job down there is is, is Frank Hayes. and I, I was really impressed with their goalkeeper Bulker Fariñez, making his first league start. Twenty three year old Venezuelan. They've got uh, they, he's on loan from uh, Millonarios in uh, in Colombia, but they've got an option to buy him at the end of the season. Brilliant save from from Neymar late on with a, with the help of a post as well. A um, couple of other good good moments too. So he'll be I'm pretty sure that he'll be one to watch
2: in uh, in Liga next season. Look very very good indeed. Yeah, Lance have been absolutely brilliant this season. I really thought they'd struggled after coming up in in, in second place from Ligue 2 after that curtailed season. You know they. They weren't that impressive, to be honest, for much of the league this season, but they've 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 bought so well. Um, and they're doing tremendously. And they could have an interesting say in the title race. They've got Lille coming up on, on Friday, but Andy's sticking with with PSG. Of course, there was Man City in their minds, but Maurizio Pochettino couldn't take his eye off the ball, could he? And he, he had to pick a, a strong side. He had to keep Neymar on, I think, until the, the 92nd minute or so. I was watching in that second half thinking, you know, I'm sure he'd like to take Neymar off. Um, but I just wouldn't have been that confidence for P- for PSG holding on had he started, you know, taking the the, the top men off.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has obviously been the pattern of their season. That the results at home have been um very worrying. And um they'd obviously lost to their three title rivals at home this season, also lost to Marseille. So that's everybody. Else in the top six had come to the Parc des Princes and beaten them in loss. Therefore, might fancy the chances of doing the same. And, um, you know, a, a, an awkward game for PSG to get through. They had to get through. And yeah, of course, I mean, the league might not be their priority in the same way because they're desperate to win the Champions League and, and they've won the league, of course, um, you know, so many times in the recent past that they can maybe afford to um, take their eye off the ball a little bit in league, 1, but they still want to win the league. And so, yeah, Neymar as your main player has only scored uh, seven goals in the league this season, which kind of surprised me when I when I saw that at the weekend. When he got the opening goal, obviously gets the opener, sets up the the winner for Marquinhos as well. You know, you should keep your main players on in these big matches. Um, very important game in the league. Running it keeps him within a point of Lille, who we'll talk about shortly at the top of the table. And and in my mind, I still think that PSG will will just manage to get over the line and win the league. Um, so they're still right in there. But yeah, the, the city game obviously now becomes the main focus of attention for them and, and we'll see how they get on in Manchester. I think we probably all agree that they're right up against it, um, but they have got a chance and obviously having one in Barcelona and one in Munich already in the knockout stages this season, they've already won in Manchester at Old Trafford in the group stages. So, you know, yeah. they've, they've shown that they can get a result away from home. I'm uh, let's disappointed with time. you, Andy.
2: I thought you were going to that? say that, because that, that, I thought you were going to say, I, I still believe they can, they can, Get over the line against Man City and qualify, mm. um, but but interesting, you're still backing them for the league title. Very interesting. <laughs> um, why not? Why not? I mean, you know, they're 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 winning their matches, and it's not easy for Leal to to keep on winning. But Ian. What do, you, what, what do you make of their chances on, on Tuesday night? Obviously, Marquinhos is going to get another goal because he just keeps on scoring in these big Champions League matches. I saw a stat. I think he's got nine Champions League goals. He's now above George Ware in the PSG <laughs> Champions League uh, ra- um, rankings. And another another goal um, at, at the weekend in Ligue 1. He is sort of captain uh, courageous, isn't he? He's very much the hero, but they're up against it on Tuesday night
4: absolutely i i I, so I thought I was a bit disappointed by their first leg performance i thought that they i mean they were brilliant in the first half what happened in the second half i mean not enough not enough half time oranges at the Parc de prance i mean what 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 went on there i mean of course City are, are an excellent side as well but there was no reason that p s g should their performance should drop off an absolute cliff at, at half time and and they've really given themselves a lot to do i agree with Andy though i mean Fabulous performance away from from home in Barcelona. I think even even they were lucky. They were pretty lucky in Munich to, to come away with the win given the way that uh, given the way that Bayern didn't manage to finish. I think they had about thirty odd shots, um, and still didn't manage to 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 really trouble Kaelan Avas. But it's 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 huge. It's a it's a huge game for them. I to be honest, I'm pretty pessimistic. I think Mbappe, he's had that calf injury. Yes, he's gonna be He's going to be try and be on fire, but calf injury. Was he you, was he fit?
2: You, was he fit in the first leg? In well, I mean, That's exactly. That, that's good. An, I mean, watching him in the second half, he didn't look it.
4: Yeah, good, very, very good question. And if you've got if you've got a bit of a doubt in a you know hamstring sort of calf injury, you can't carry that when you're absolutely sprinting towards goal as he as he likes to do. And and what makes him such a a fabulous threat
2: it's it's a huge it's a huge ask Andy Andy you were you you were scoffing at Ian's suggestion that PSG's performance fell off a cliff in the second half I'm kind of with Ian on that I mean I'm I'm disappointed <sighs> they sat back Pochettino did did nothing really to change you know even after City got those two quick goals he just kind of let the game go on and uh, didn't you know didn't try and change and he did have options on the bench
3: yeah um well I, I, I think a bit of a disclaimer because I mean I was at, I was at the the game last week and I think you guys will know where I'm coming from here but when you're at a game and you're writing a match report um as 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 crazy as it might sound because people will say oh you know what was your take on the game because you were there but actually when you're writing a match report on a game you don't really get to see the game uh in the same way that maybe other people watching at, on TV at home will because you you're you're busy writing your report you don't really look up as much in the second half as as you might like to do that's a uh, that's just, that's just the way it is. It's, it's impossible to do it any other way. So when a game completely changes in the second half like that one, um, I admit I'm maybe not the best place to analyse it. I haven't had the time to go back and watch it again. Um, but I, I just think that when it comes to two fantastic sides, as these teams are, going, you know, hell for leather in the semi-finals of the Champions League, that sometimes you have to hold your hands up and say, PSG didn't play that well in the second half. But, you know, Manchester City are a pretty good team. <laughs> I think we all know that. And, um, you know, the, the only sort of disappointing aspect really for me was that PSG lost two fairly poor goals. Um, and, you know, that's obviously given them a big job to do. It is true that they didn't create much after the 55th minute in that game when Mbappe sent that ball across the face of goal and Verratti just couldn't quite reach it. I don't think they really created anything else. But Mbappe, yeah, he he is key. Um, you know, this is a guy who obviously scored that hat-trick in Barcelona, the Dublin Munich. And uh, let's not forget that when he was still 18, he, of course, uh, scored that goal for Monaco at the Etihad Stadium in the Champions League as well. And that really brought him to life in the Champions League. So they need him um, on Tuesday night. And it will be a blow if he's not fully fit because he can be devastating when he's uh, running at full pelt towards goal, as we all know. So they need him. I I don't know. I just think that PSG... The the margins are so fine at this level, well, and you City, can yeah, yes,
2: analyze <laughs> it. City are, are, are mightily impressive, and they've they've got a similar sort of psychological barrier, don't they, to to get over in the Champions League? And I think that come from behind win at the Parc de Princes is gonna it's gonna bolster them psychologically so much. Sorry, just 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 one little point as well on that because we I mentioned
3: before, and I think we've talked about it a lot about PSG's results at home this season being disappointing, which they obviously have been, um, and. I think maybe it's just worth pointing out that the absence of supporters, again, it's been the case all season, that probably sometimes doesn't help, right? I mean, the last time PSG played City in the Champions League in 2016, in the quarterfinals, I think you're right in saying that City were, PSG were 2-1 down at home to City in the first leg, same scenario, and they got an, an injury time equaliser on that occasion and it, and it gave them a lift going into the second leg, which they still ended up losing. But I think that was an example uh, if I'm not mistaken, that of what happened in that game right at the end of the game, getting an equalised goal, an example of what having a big home support behind you can maybe do, and um, and just maybe an example of what they've maybe missed out on this season, because I think if they had their fans behind them in the last 20 minutes, even after Idrissa Gay was sent off, uh, they might have had more of a chance of
2: of getting an equalizing goal with that extra momentum given to them from the fans. It wasn't there, and absolutely. And uh, and Andy, if you know, you could also say if Monaco had their their fans behind them, I'm sure they wouldn't have conceded late against Lyon. Or maybe that doesn't quite work. Doesn't quite work as well. But a little disclaimer as well. I've I've, I've got one for myself. I was at the Part-Dieu Proust as well. Um, I was in one of the observer seats, so I was able to watch the game from a very good view. I was sitting next to a certain Robbie Thompson who got quieter and quieter as the evening progressed um just sitting next to the other side of Robbie was 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 Peter Schmeichel so I was in in the company of two of uh you know modern football's true heavyweights and I, I'm feeling there's a bit of a tension uh bet, bet, between the two of them so I'd, I'd be interested to go to the part they pronounce next time um there, a bit of mumbling between Peter and and Robbie during d- during the goals so I don't know if I'm you know, inventing a, a little rivalry here. But I haven't seen Peter Schmeichel looking that disgruntled since uh, since he came up against Ian Wright at Highbury. We're going to move on, though. Um, we'll invite Robbie to talk about that next week. He's, he's on his way to Manchester as as we speak. We're going to move on and we're going to talk about Leal. But just before, um, a quick reminder, you're listening to La Bourge. A quick reminder, you can get in touch with us uh, using the, um, the email, league1podcast at gmail.com. A word about Lens who stay in fifth position, they're only above Marseille on goal difference. Marseille drew 1-1 with Strasbourg on uh, on Friday night. They're two points above Rennes. Uh Rennes were beaten actually 1-0 by Bordeaux. Sekou Mara, an 18-year-old forward scoring a huge goal for Bordeaux who after five straight wins, sorry, five straight defeats, got that win and uh, should be safe now. Um, we received one email this week from uh, Romuald Lorca, who says who asks us um, whether an extra position will go to the Europa League if PSG or Monaco win the French Cup, i.e. if PSG or Monaco win the Cup, will sixth place be good enough for a, a Europa League spot? And Romuald is, uh, or Frenchy, as he's known, uh, from Detroit, is hoping that Marseille, if they finish sixth, will get in the Europa League. Um, Andy and Ian, you confirmed that is the case. No, it's not the case. Um, What what happens is if if PSG or Monaco uh, win the Coupe
3: de France and finish already in a a top four position, even if it's not the Champions League, what that means is that fifth place will qualify for the Europa League uh, and sixth place will qualify for the new Europa Conference League. Uh, At the moment, fifth place qualifies for the new Europa Conference League and sixth place doesn't qualify for Europe at all. But there's only two places in the Europa League, fourth in the league, and the winners of the Coupe de France as it stands
2: can always count on Andy to be on the ball even after 5 hours of sleep and uh, he's trying to get my attention because he's got an anecdote Andy is no, it a long one
3: it's no 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 it's not a long one it's just it's just something that I found quite interesting that uh, you mentioned Siku Mara who scored the goal for Bordeaux against Rennes uh, yesterday who's uh, just 18 it was his first start in a league and game he was also booted in the face by Stephen Inzonzi just before that goal and Nzunzi got sent off but Sekumar is an interesting one because he is actually uh, he is actually the son of uh, a lady called Audrey Crespo, who is a newsreader on TF1, one of the main uh, networks in in uh, in France. So I think that's quite unusual, no? That the the idea that a kid comes on is his, his mum, who's uh, reading the news on uh, on Channel One at the weekend, is uh, proudly watching on. I don't think that's something you'd often hear about
2: in in football. The idea that the, the son of a newsreader would that is not that is not the, the anecdote I, I was expecting from you, Andy Scott. <laughs> Um, Hernan Crespo is no, not the dad, is he? What? Sorry, what's the lady's name? Audrey Crespo Mara is her name. No, no relation to Hernan. No Crespo. relation
3: to uh, Hernan Crespo, or indeed um, anyone famous called Mara. But um, no, I, I don't know what anecdote you were expecting from me. You can you know? Were you expecting something better or worse?
2: Or I thought that was quite good. Yeah, I thought it might be Dundee United related or, but no, it's good. It's, 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 <laughs> it's a good one. Um, Ian is looking wide eyed at me. So let's move on. Um, Leal versus Nice. A little bit more pressure on Leal because they were down to second come Saturday night after PSG had, had won. Um, they're going to have to keep winning if they want to win their league first league title in a decade. Let's hear how they got on against Nice. Uh, Angus Therode commentated this one.
0: Lille now opening up the defence. Yilmaz! Yes! 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 Oh, his four continues. Yes! 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 Placed. Not blasted. And it, Yilmaz picks up his 13th Liga goal, decent ball in, and then the shot comes in, oh, fabulous, fabulous from
1: Zeki Jelic. Well, it looks as though Nice had dealt with the danger, but they hadn't counted on the Turkish fullback. Well, the Turkish players just can't stop scoring at the moment easily for Lille
2: so a, a really good victory for Lille and I think one that their supporters probably appreciated because it wasn't uh, a nerve-jangling win we've seen so many tough contests where Lille have just about managed to find the strength to to, to get the win but this was straightforward really from the moment Burak Yilmaz who's uh, very much the man of the moment for, for Lille uh, once he scored uh, Nice rarely looked like Threatening, rarely looked like getting getting back into this game, Ian. And uh, yeah, a, a routine win for Lille. They could do with three more like that. Well, the, the Nice fans are pretty friendly with the Lille
4: fans. And uh, apparently there was a big banner outside the Nice training ground saying, uh, we want Lille to be champions. And the Nice team duly obliged. I mean, they didn't have a shot on goal in the whole game. Jordan Latombe did his, real, did his absolute utmost best to get himself sent off in the first half. Didn't quite do it. Managed to pick up the, the the booking, the second booking early in the second half. Fabulously great work by Nice um, to ruin a a, a a little bit of a, a little bit of good work that they'd done under Adrian Ursia. But I mean, yeah, Lille, come on, Yilmaz, Yilmaz is doing absolutely everything for them. I don't know if you saw after after the goal he, he puts in, he's waving like a, 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 an an airport sort of uh, traffic controller bringing in a jumbo jet because he's trying to get everybody off the bench. I mean he's orchestrating the goal celebrations. Fabulous fabulous strike. He's he's hit the post late on as well. Um and when you write back he's putting in a goal like that. I and mean, that was a fabulous strike by Ezequichele. He's we we all know he's a very he's he's been an excellent player for Leah. What a what a piece of work from from Lewis Campos to bring him him before he left the club and in when you when he's scoring a goal like that, I mean, surely Leal Leal are destined for this, aren't they?
2: Well, I I think so. I've been thinking so since December, but Andy Scott doesn't doesn't agree. Andy, I just want to ask what because I've been hearing as well this weekend all this. Yeah, Nice and Lille are, are good mates, and the Nice fans really want wanted Lille to win. I've not really heard about this before. I mean, they're they're on opposing sides of the country. Yeah. Uh, is this a new alliance? Are we being? <laughs> Are we bit I, I, I don't know it's kind of reminding me of uh, one of the famous title races in 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 England was it when Sir Alex Ferguson accused was it Leeds or he, or he, he accused teams of going of, of going easy against Newcastle and 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 playing tough against Man United I don't think we should I don't think anyone's accusing Nice of being unprofessional here are they Uh no I mean they Fairly feeble in that game, I suppose. But yeah,
3: I don't know. It's not, not something I've ever heard of. Uh, I, I must admit, maybe maybe one of our listeners can can enlighten us on on the reasons why there is uh, such a, a relationship between Lille and Nice. But, you know, I, I guess there's a lot of people around France who, who are gunning for Lille to win the title um, at this stage of the season, even if they, they just want a change because PSG have won seven of the last eight. I mean, uh, just to, to slightly... Um, defend the point I made before that I think that PSG will win the league. I mean, it's just really, it's just because, it's not necessarily because of the evidence in front of my eyes from watching Lille and PSG in recent weeks. It's just because I'm so used to seeing PSG win the league and, and the other teams uh, fall short that I can't quite believe there were three games left. Lille can actually win the title. And, you know, the, their home results have not been, had not been very good uh, coming into the Nice match. So maybe they've, they've um, got that monkey off their backs uh, they've only got one home game left, that's against Saint-Étienne, and I wonder if um, some people in Saint-Étienne might be gunning for Christophe Galtier to win the league as well. I don't know. Uh, the loss match coming up next weekend is going to be huge for them, because obviously um, there is a rivalry there in the north of France, and it's not something that maybe is uh, immediately obvious because Lance and Lille together have not been really fighting out at the top of the table much down the years, but there is a rivalry between these clubs. They're close together up in the north of France. And, and I'm not sure many people in Lens will be desperate for Lille to win the league. So that that could be the moment um, where it maybe just gets away from Lille. But um, even then, PSG would still have to win all their three remaining games. And I suppose, once again, the evidence that we've seen thus far suggests that it might not be
2: that easy for them to win all three games. So there are going to be a few twists and turns yet. Yeah, I think... Lance and Lille definitely do not like each other. So I mean you know, if, if Lille are going to drop points, it may well be this Friday uh in Lance. We got an email in from Chris Carpenter who uh was very kind and uh, thanks us for the uh for the job we're doing on the pod. Chris wants to to highlight the work that Christophe Galtier uh, has been doing with Lille. Um his in-game management against Leon uh, the other week. Um both tactically and the the use of his the use of his subs sorry was absolutely brilliant. Um I think we'd all go along with that wouldn't we. A little bit surprising perhaps to hear these reports that that Nice um not only want Christophe Galtier but that Christophe Galtier might be considering a move to Nice in the summer. On the face of it it looks like a a bit of a step down. Ian could you could you understand Galtier moving to a club like Nice? I have to admit I'm surprised you know I listen to the to, to to the to the English radio quite a lot, and um, nobody's talking about Galtier at, at, at Tottenham. Nobody's talking about um, Galtier. He has been linked to an Italian club. Is it Napoli? But uh, I'm surprised he's not being linked with with more big moves. What do you make of it, Ian? It's always surprised
4: me, quite frankly. I mean, you look at a team like Newcastle United, who were so keen, shall we say, overly keen on the French market, buying a huge number of players, and yet. Whenever they needed a new manager, they never looked at Galtier. And Galtier had, I thought, brilliant success at Saint Etienne, having, despite having his best players sold from under him every sing, or pretty much every single season. As for the Nice point, well, Leal win the title, or Leal nearly win the title. He's he's had a brilliant run there. What he's finished second, he's finished fourth. How how much further can he take them? Um, particularly with perhaps a little bit of uncertainty in in terms of their financial background. Nice have very, very strong backers. I would say that Nice are probably the team that are coming. Uh, Maybe this season has looked pretty disjointed, but they've got a very young squad, but a very talented squad looking at how well somebody like Amin Guiri has come in in his first season and and played. They're they're putting together, I hate to use this word, but a really good project in, in Nice. And um, Christoph Galtier has shown that he can he can take teams to the next step and on a relatively, relatively shoestring budget. Um, so it makes sense for Nice that they want him. He's, he's had a brilliant record. He's got a brilliant record in, in, in Ligue 1. I think he would have a brilliant record elsewhere, though, too. And I agree with you. I I don't see why Tottenham
2: Hotspur wouldn't be looking at a coach like Christoph Galtier. He also has some experience of uh, of coaching in England when he was uh, the assistant to Alan Perrin at uh, at Portsmouth. He speaks a, a bit of English and I know for a fact he's very keen. He's very keen not not talking about Tottenham but to have a big uh, a big job abroad. Personally I'd like to see Christophe Galtier stay in Ligue 1. And um yeah, I think project is the word with Nice because there clearly is a project and 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 the potential the potential is is big. We've still got plenty to talk about. Plenty that happened over the weekend, but uh, we're going to bring you our Déjà who section now because uh, it is a, a big favourite. Well done to Ian Holim for coming up with some great uh, clues every every week. Last week's Déjà Vu, you had to guess who we were talking about. This was the clue I followed in the footsteps of Didier Deschamps. We share the same first club in France, but was seen by some and one night in particular as a potential new Roy Keane. My career didn't quite work out like that, spending a four-year spell in the Northwest and then in Central England. But uh, all of that ended when I criticised my then-manager to one of the members of Le Beaujeu team. I followed that up with spells in Qatar, Denmark, Israel, Serbia, Scotland, and finally India. Absolutely incredible. I had no idea that Eric Jemba Jemba had played in uh India and in Scotland, Andy. Where did he play in Scotland? Uh, I cannot remember where he played
3: in
4: Scotland. Was it maybe oh, I'm disappointed. Saint Mirren? Oh, I think yeah, I, I think it was Saint Mirren, Andy. Now, now you, you're stretching my uh, remembrances of this, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was a, a Saint Mirren. Yeah.
2: Well, con- congratulations to Wei Chun Lo, to John Crossan, to Luke Edwards, James Cathy, Joe McCall, Adam Cyrilnik, and Rhys Aitken. Plenty of Scots in there. It seems that that, that got that right. No, no surprise. Eric Jemba Jemba was the answer. Here is uh, this week's clue. It's a little bit shorter, so keep your keep your uh, ears peeled for this one. Do you peel ears or just eyes? <laughs>
4: <laughs> kind of, you're a sadist. That's that's a, that's a discussion I've... for a separate pod. I think, Matt. I
3: think, think Anthony Lopez tried to do that to Pietro Pellegris' uh, ear last week. <laughs>
2: Here we go. This week's Deja Hu. I played with Michael Silvestre at two clubs, one of which is in France, the other in Italy. I played for Marcello Lippi, sven goran Eriksson and Claude Puel, and with Eric Abedal, Yuri Djorkov and Paolo Di Canio. The revolution late in my career, in fact, turned into my swan song. If you think you know the answer, please do email us at uh, league one at gmail.com or using the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. We look forward to hearing your answers. Let's have a, a quick chat about relegation because it is very interesting down at the bottom. Um, Saint-Etienne uh, had the pleasure of commentating their game at, against Montpellier and they played pretty well. They got a 2-1 win. They are now up to 12th and I think it's fair to say they are safe. My anecdote that I wanted to get in is that Mathieu Debussy is now the highest scoring defender Currently playing in Ligue 1, he's got 27 Ligue 1 goals, having got the winner in Montpellier. Bordeaux up to 15th after their victory over Rennes. They're on 39 points. They're one point above Strasbourg and Lorient. Strasbourg drawing 1-1 with Marseille. Lorient beating Angers 2-0. So Lorient going great guns, but they're still only four points above the relegation playoff position because Nantes are fighting. Antoine Comboire's team had not won back-to-back games, or rather Nantes hadn't won back-to-back games all season. They've done it, though. 4-1 victors over Brest. So Nantes have 34 points. They are still two points above Nîmes. Nîmes were beating Rouse late on, but they were held to a draw. 2-2 it finished at uh, the Costier, Um And finally Metz, a big win for them. 5-1 over Dijon. Metz are in mid-table. Dijon are down. But uh, what do we think, guys? Nantes... They're fighting, and you have to say, even if they finish eighteenth, which would mean a playoff with mm-hmm. the team that finishes third in Ligue 2, they they look capable of staying up, wouldn't you uh, agree, Andy Scott?
3: Yeah, I would, I would say so. Um, I've I've seen not quite a bit this season, and um, frequently they've they've been very poor in in games against the the better teams. Obviously, they won in Paris, which was an extraordinary result for them, but they they seem to have finally um, found something in the last couple of matches, a couple of really big away wins. Their home record is absolutely appalling. They've not won a home game since October, um, but they have given themselves a chance. I think you're right. That I think they've, they've possibly still got a bit too much to do to to get out of the bottom three altogether, but I think I'd fancy them to finish in the playoff place and, and probably still come through if 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 they do go into the playoff. If you look at the second division, uh, Trois are going to come up and, and possibly still Toulouse Will come up automatically, and I think if those are the two teams who come up automatically, uh, I'd fancy not to, to beat whoever they play in the playoff. Um, and obviously, I think probably for fans of Ligue 1 in general, you know, it's important to have a club with Nantes history in the top division, they've just been such a poor team for such a long time, really. Um, and, and they've been threatening to have a season like this for a while. But Antoine Cumbari seems to have done something right, they had a, a great result yesterday against Brest, fantastic result, some lovely goals in there as well, including a. Stunning blast by Ludovic Blas from uh, about twenty-five yards in the first half. So they've got a chance now. Good
2: player, yeah. good player, Ludovic Blas.
3: Yeah, but they have got some very good players there, and and um, you know if it, if it comes together, then they can get they, they can they can win some games. I mean Imran Lusa, Rondal, Kolemwani. Um So I, I I do still think they might just stay up. And and there's a big game next weekend. They play Bordeaux, what some people call the Atlantic Derby. And if Nantes can win that, they will be just a couple of points behind Bordeaux. So it, it might all come down to that one, and they could yet uh, get above Bordeaux, or another big
2: club who are sort of creaking at the moment, aren't they? So uh, that's that's going to be a big one next weekend. Yeah, there were scenes of uh, of ecstasy at the end of Bordeaux's uh, victory over over Rennes at the weekend because they were looking like they were in such a rut. But uh, that's a, it's a big win for Bordeaux. Lorient winning. Again, Lorient are playing Lyon this weekend, so they're one of the teams, Lorient. They're four points above Nantes. Um, we got an email in from John Crossan asking about Terra Moffi, the Nigerian who's been outstanding for Lorient this season. 14 league goals so far. John asks us, if, if Mbappe leaves PSG, would Moffi be a good replacement? He's fast and he's got a good shot. Ian Holyman, what do you think? It's perhaps perhaps not the striker the PSG fans will be looking forward to replace Mbappe? Yeah,
4: I mean... Yeah, he's he's good, but he's not Mbappe. Is it? And 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 also, I think that Mbappe leaves, and PSG bringing somebody from Lorient. Uh, you saw the protests at Manchester United. I mean, God, <laughs> I wouldn't like to. Uh, it, it, it's 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 not so much a, about about Morphy's ability. I mean, okay, Mbappé's is on a very different level to to nearly everybody in football right now. But it's also about the name. You know, the PSG need to be PSG are going to have to make a, a big, big, big signing if they let. They let Mbappe go, and I think the the best thing best thing for everybody concerned would be
2: for them to keep Mbappe. Yeah, I think terry Moffy probably needs a, an intermediate step before a a, a top top club, but yeah. he's he, he is doing very well. He is. I think there are parts of his game that need refining and 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 improving as well, because he does have games where everything seems to bounce off him, and uh, he 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 can be ineffective, but he's got something very special in front of goal. Absolutely, uh, no question about that. And anyway, we're 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 hoping we're keeping our fingers crossed that Killian will stay in France and we'll keep uh, the most exciting talent in world football. Uh, uh, Matt,
4: maybe there, maybe there'll be a swap deal Matt, just before before we move the swap yep. deal. <laughs> maybe be, before we move maybe on. Before L'Oreal. we move on, I think you've kept the, you've kept the listeners hanging on long enough. I mean, they must be on the edge of their seats, wondering who ruined Eric Jemba Jemba's uh, career in England on the Le
2: Bourgeois panel and obviously oh yeah sorry sorry yeah. i'm I, I can't wait to find out because it wasn't me well no as far as i know it was me no. ian what
4: did you do well actually i didn't do i i just did my job and i reported what faithfully what eric Jemba Jemba said to me because I'll, I'll just i'll keep this brief cameroon were playing a, a friendly in the paris region i went there in about 2004 something like that budding <clears throat> Uh, journalist at Eurosport. This
2: is this Ian, this is when we used to call you tabloid Ian, wasn't it? Yeah, you were flogging exactly. everything you could to the and, tabloids. Um, yeah.
4: And no, I was I was working at Eurosport and working for their website and I went down to the Cameroon Hotel and and uh, they said, who do you want to talk to? So I said, well Samueletto. There were a few furtive looks and I think Samuel hadn't perhaps come back to the team hotel that morning. Anyway, moving on, I said, okay, well how about Eric Jemba Jemba then? Because he was playing in England, playing so Eric Jemba Jemba comes in and um, we, we film it, me and another guy. And uh, I do the interview and I said, Eric, uh, do you want to do this in French? He's like, no, no, we can do it in English. Oh, okay, fine. So I said to him, uh, so uh, you haven't, you know, Aston Villa have not had the best of starts to the season. What, what's the problem? That was a very innocent question. His reply was the manager. And it went on from there. And that was David Ooh O'Leary. Dear. That was David O'Leary at the time. Yeah, that's not... That's. I mean, I my ears were like, pricking up like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And so he sa- I said, well, what's the difficulty with the manager? He, he's not playing me enough. And so this, this got to David O'Leary. David O'Leary initially stuck up for Jemba Jemba saying that basically I must be lying. And um, um, a colleague at Eurosport phoned up Aston Villa and said, look, we've got him on video <laughs> um,
2: saying this. Do you want us to send you a copy? And um, there you go. Ah, so did you send it? That's like dobbing someone in. That's like, you know, look, he said it, look. But I guess you want to protect your integrity. Can I just say, Ian, because this is crazy. I've got a a fantastic... I I think I've already told this anecdote on Le Bourgeois, but for new listeners, I was at the Cup of Nations, I think it was in 2004 as well, in Tunisia, and I was trying to interview Eric Jemba Jemba, who at the time was at Man United, I'm pretty sure. Um, And... I, I I nabbed him just as he was going in into the canteen, and I said, "Eric, can we do you know can we do this interview?" And he was like, okay, just wait, just wait for for me to have my dinner." So I waited outside, and um, this is absolutely terrible. Samueletto was at Mallorca at the time, and he wasn't very well known. And he he came out, and I basically i got i got my faces mixed up, and I was sure it was Eric Jemba Jemba, and I stopped him and I said, "Eric, you okay for the interview, mate?" Now, and this guy looked at me and. Yeah, it was Eto'o. He looked at me. What are you talking about? And I said, "Come on." You said, and uh, it was a really embarrassing moment. And yeah, it was Sam—the the, the day that I thought Samueletto was Eric Jemba Jemba. Now, Andy, have you got any Jemba Jemba anecdotes? No, I've never—I've never met Eric Jemba Jemba. <laughs> Sorry, not even when he played for St Mirren. And actually, actually, he made a St Mirren debut against
3: Dundee United, who are my team. But um no, I don't. That's yeah. as far as. Is that an anecdote? I don't know. I've got, an, I, I've got well, another was... Samuel
4: Leto, uh, anecdote, but that one has to that, that one has G- to be off air, quite frankly.
2: <laughs> well, I think your anecdote was good. Mine was just quite embarrassing. Let's look ahead to to next weekend. It's time to go on a bon voyage because they are loosening the restrictions in France, and soon we're going to be able to to travel. Of course, we can't yet go in the stadiums, but uh, let's have a look uh, ahead to round thirty six. Well, Ian and Andy, some cracking games. We've got the Derby du Nord on Friday night. Lens versus Lille, nine o'clock local time. Watch that um, in the UK on BT Sport, 8pm in the UK. Huge match for Lille in particular, important as well for Lens. The big game on Saturday, Lyon versus Lorient, vital for Lyon's Champions League hopes. That's at 5pm in France. And uh, Paris Saint-Germain, they're in action on Sunday night, 9pm local time. They're away to Rennes. Watch it in the UK on BT Sport, the partners of Le Bourgeois. 8pm in the UK, Rennes versus PSG. Ian Holyman, where do you fancy going this weekend? I really
4: fancy a bit of the Group Armour Stadium. Lyon against Lorient. Lorient, fifth best team, fifth best record in, in 2021 in Ligue 1. I mean, that's hugely impressive. They've been... To be fair, they've been a lot better at home than they have been away from home. But uh, with time running out, and just I think they've only got one more home game between now and the end of the season. And uh, that four-point gap is looking a little bit precarious, um, but they're in great form. Christophe Pellissier has got them playing really, really good football. Uh, pretty much true to Lorient's reputation. And uh, that's that's a very tough game indeed for Lyon.
2: Pellissier being, being linked with uh, a move to Montpellier this summer. Um, Montpellier, it has been confirmed, will be losing the services of Michel Desakarien after four years um, on the Montpellier bench. His contract not being renewed, it's been decided that uh, that they'll be moving on. There'll be quite a few coaching changes, um, so keep your eyes on that. Montpellier's still in with a chance of winning the French Cup this season. They play PSG in the semis. Andy Scott, mm-hmm. what do you fancy? Um, yeah, actually, just the Leon Lorient game, to say on that, and
3: we touched on this before, Terren Murphy up against uh, the Leon defence, so they won't even have any defenders playing for them because everybody's either injured or suspended, so that could be fun. And Memphis Depay not playing, so there could be a, a shock there. But I'm going to go for um, Nantes against Bordeaux, actually, because, as I said before, uh, if Nantes win that game, then they're going to be just two points behind Bordeaux with two games left, and that could make things really interesting in the fight to avoid the uh, at least the relegation playoff place. So why not that one? Two clubs with fourteen league titles between them. Uh, trip to the Stade de la Bougorne. It's a nice part of France. Yeah, why not? I mean, they, they've lifted the restrictions, haven't they, on the number of kilometers people can travel for leisure purposes now? So mm. get a take a trip to the Stade de la Bougorne and stand outside the ground and watch it on your phone, and and um, that that'll be fun.
2: OK, well, I, I might join you for that. I might join you at the Bourgeois on, uh, on Saturday night and then we'll stay in the West. And on Sunday, we'll go to Rennes-PSG and we'll see um, PSG's title um, hopes dashed by Bruno Genesio's men who will uh, surge up to fifth. And it will be absolutely thrilling. Or not. Or not. We'll have to wait and see. So much could happen. Um, in the next three weeks, it is quite simply Europe's best, most exciting title race. And uh, you can keep up to speed with all the action by listening to Le Bourgeois. We'll be back, of course, with uh, another edition of the podcast next week from Ian Holyman and from Andy Scott and me, Matt Spiro. It's time to wish you uh, a very good day, a very good week. We'll see you again soon. All the best. Bye-bye.
1: Beautifully done. Sensational.